Thanks very much for that. Can I start off by saying it is finally great to be here. Um, this has been such, in my eyes, such a long process and um, yeah, and you add COVID on top of that, but I am so thankful to be here. I have a mentor and he's very big in my life and one of his favourite sayings is Garth, sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, but most times God says slow. And that's what I've discovered. I'm sure you are all aware that over the past couple of months, I've um, chatted with a pastoral search committee and the elders. I remember one of the questions was, and it came out today, what was one of my hobbies? And today I shared about bike riding and everything like that. But I actually said another one to the pastoral search committee. I said, oh, one of my hobbies is cooking. I love cooking. I'm not sure about you, but I really enjoy cooking. Cooking was something I always wanted to do when I was at school. When you had to fill in, what do you want to be? I said, I want to be a cook. I remember I had the opportunity. My mum worked at a pub in uh, Adelaide, and I got offered an apprenticeship at this pub to be a cook. And I remember I uh, went there on day one, and I went up to the head chef, and I said, oh, what do you want me to do? And he said, see those pots and pans over there? I said, yeah. He said, I want you to wash them. So I did that, and I said, now what? And he said, see those um, plates and stuff? Can you put them through the dishwasher? I spent all day doing dishes. But that was okay. I had a dream and I was going to get there. I went in the next day and I said to the head chef, what do you want me to do? And he said, see those pots and pans over there? And I said, hang on, I did that yesterday. I said, I'm not coming here to do this. I said, look, I'll do it again today, but this has got to stop. And he said, you'll be doing it for two years, to which I said, no, I won't. So I had a very short-lived cooking life. So even though my career was very short-lived, I still loved it and um, I had the opportunity to continue it. And um, as you heard, I've cooked on camps. I was a head cook at a campsite. Um, I even got asked once to do a wedding, but I, I didn't have the, the confidence to do that. But let me tell you, I'll tell you something else about Garth. When it comes to food, there's one thing I love more about food than cooking it, and that's eating it. I guess you understand, if I like cooking food, then I love eating food. But when it comes to eating food, I'm sorry to say, especially if there's anyone in this room, but there are certain people that have a job or a profession and um, they always seem to ruin the experience. What kind of people am I talking about? Dietitians and nutritionists. Now, again, sorry if there's anyone out there in the big wide world web that's one of these, if this is your job and real profession. And please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that this profession isn't important. I understand the importance of eating healthy, but here lies my problem. I think I eat pretty healthy. Although I do love Vegemite and I eat a whole tub of it. But that's until I go and visit a dietitian or some of these health experts. I'm not sure if you've ever visited a dietitian or nutritionist. I'm not sure if you've ever read some of the articles. But if you have, you would know they teach us the importance of eating a healthy diet. Sometimes I leave thinking all I should go and eat is lettuce and cardboard. But I know that's not the case. One common phrase they will use over and over again is this, you are what you eat. This point is driven home when they tell us if you eat healthy, then physically you will be healthy. If you eat unhealthy, then physically you'll be unhealthy. So this saying you are what you eat has a direct impact on the physical side of your life. Over the past couple of years with what our world has gone through this pandemic, health professionals and non-health professionals for that matter, 
have bombarded us with this message of this strict diet message even more severely. Let me ask you, why do you think these dietitians and health professionals tell us the importance of a healthy diet in such times? I work at a school and we're, we're telling our kids about it. I'm not sure if you get ads here, but in Queensland, we get lots of ads on the importance of healthy living, especially at this time. Why? Simple. Many of them know food can become a real issue or a real problem in a person's life, especially when they're facing crisis or storms. Some people get so stressed and depressed that they self-medicate by eating. Things like isolation, lockdowns, mask wearing, vaccine jabs have all compounded this and it has created a worse, unhealthy society. Sure, they may think they're helping at the time because eating a block of cabbage chocolate is one of the best things you can do emotionally. Picking out on chocolate ice cream can be great. But sadly, though, at times they're doing real damage to their lives physically. Why am I telling you this? I mean, if I get the job here as my first program for this church, going to be a healthy eating program and put we all on diets, do you think that's why I'm telling you this? Well, no. Because I'm telling you this because this saying, you are what you eat, got me thinking about this. If this is true for our physical side, what about our spiritual side? When we face crisis or storms in our lives, can we feed or fill ourselves with the wrong food? Can this saying, you are what you eat, be true for us from a spiritual perspective as much as it is from a, um, a, a physical perspective? Well, I want to say yes. I truly believe it is. When we face crisis or storms in our lives, we can feed or fill ourselves with the wrong food. We can do just as much damage to ourselves spiritually by eating the wrong things as we do physically. What do I mean? I'm aware we live in a world that changes every day. And because of this, we have families facing certain storms in their lives. Storms can come into our lives because of things like employment, money, health issues, family issues with parents, children, grandchildren, and the list can go on. Perhaps there were some sitting here today that are facing storms in these areas that I just mentioned. While for others, you're not facing anything. Well, let me remind you, none of us know what this week holds. While I do hope everyone has a pretty cruisy week this week, chances are we will face a storm or two in our lives. Storms are a part of life. I believe God made it that way. The Christian who expects their Christian life to be free from trials is in for a shock. Jesus warned his disciples in John's gospel, in this world you will have trouble. Paul told his converts in Acts that we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. But here's the challenge. What are you going to feed on with storms are facing with your life right now or in the future? What do you fill your lives with at these times? Well, I believe spiritually there are only two things you can fill your life with or feed on when you're facing storms. What two things? You can fill your lives on the word of God or you can fill your lives on the word of the devil. When we face crisis or storms in our lives, we can listen to the words of God or we can listen to the words of the devil. That's why I say when we face crisis and storms in our lives, we can feed on or fill ourselves with the wrong food. We can do great damage to ourselves spiritually by eating the wrong food. 
So today I want to encourage us and challenge us on how do we fill our lives with the right food when facing storms. As I said, storms are a part of life. God made it that way. But with every storm, there's something else that God made. God also made rainbows. Now, I know rainbows are pretty things in the sky, and I also know they stand out. I think it doesn't matter if you're in a school bus, at home, or a car. If there's a rainbow in the sky, nine out of ten times someone will say, hey, look, there's a rainbow. I don't think it ever happens where someone sees a rainbow and doesn't bring it to someone else's attention. I know that's what happens in my school bus. But rainbows are so much more than pretty spectrums of light in the sky. Our scriptures teach us that rainbows are a sign that God gives us to look at. So as crazy as it may seem to help fill ourselves with the right food, my sermon today is this. When facing storms in your life, be like those kids on my bus that say, wow, look, a rainbow. My message today is in life always, look for the rainbow. Throughout the Bible, there are people who turned terrible life situations into victory. Instead of becoming victims, they became victorious. Today I'm going to look at three men in our Bible who were facing storms and guess what they all saw? A rainbow. And the first one we heard about before. The first one is Noah. We all know the story of Noah and when we hear people talk about Noah, so often people focus on the same point. And that is, imagine that what it was like to build the ark. Imagine being laughed at, ridiculed because, you know, there hadn't really ever been rain before. And then they say, but imagine how good it would have been when the floods came and he and all these animals were safe in the ark. But for me, I don't think it would have been like that at all. Living in Queensland, I want to tell you this. I've experienced floods and floods are not nice. I've got phone calls at the moment. We have people cut off even now because Queensland's had a lot of rain. You are all aware of the floods that happened 10 years ago. But what staggers me is when I meet um, with fellow youth workers and pastors in our area from Queensland, people that work in Toowoomba, Tent Hill, Gatton and Grantham, some of them are still working with people who are suffering trauma from those floods 10 years ago. I have a friend that had a house at Highfields. Highfields is a suburb at the bottom of Toowoomba. And he was there and he knew about the floods coming and he said, Garth, I looked up and there was this wall of water coming and they took off. They took off up a hill and climbed up a tree. And he said the water went through and he said once it passed, he said all I could see was my foundation and a dirty swimming pool. It wiped out his house. We had a guy that moved to Tagulawa, who I've been working with, from Grantham. And he was telling me how he saw cars with families in it coming down the street. I don't know if you remember the news story of a family standing on a roof in a helicopter. He lived in the house next door. He got one of the kids from the house the other side. He had a neighbour's kid in his hand. And he said the water hit and the child got swept out of my arms. It got taken. Let me tell you, they all comment on how they saw a two-storey metre, a two-storey high wall of water coming towards them. 
no wonder even after 10 years we still have pastors working with people who have trauma because of these floods. Because floods are horrible. Floods are horrific. Well, I believe this is the exact type of event that Noah would have faced during the flood. You get a glimpse of those from those verses that were read out before. Queensland had heavy rain for seven days. Seven days that filled up our dams, our creeks and our rivers and we had to release the water. He faced it for 40 days and 40 nights, non-stop. We're told the waters rose and increased greatly on the earth. I am so convinced that outside that ark was total devastation. I don't think it was something nice. Roughness, seasickness. Imagine the screams that you would hear of the people dying around the ark. He went through a storm like no one else ever had. And he went through a flood like no one else ever will again. But thankfully, every storm has an end. And once the end of the storm came for Noah, once the worst storm in history was over, God gave him a sign. And it was a rainbow. Oh, how nice. Look, a rainbow. Again, was it just something pretty that God decided to show him after all he'd been through? Or was the rainbow, was there a point to it? Well, he told him. This was the point from Genesis chapter 9. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. That means you and that means me. I have set my rainbow on the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the, in, in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all the living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become flood to destroy life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the cloud, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and living creatures and every kind on earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I've established between me and my life on earth. Do you know what rainbows are about? Rainbows are about God's faithfulness. Rainbows are a sign that God will always be thankful. Our worship leader said that this morning. Regardless of what we're facing, she said, God will always be faithful. This is what Noah saw after the storm. Maybe you're going through a storm right now and you're wondering if the Lord even cares about you. Trust him. I know it may seem like all the doors are shut and you're so rough outside that you can't even step outside, but I'm sure the day will come when the storm will end, just like Noah, and you'll see a rainbow. Now, you may not physically see a rainbow in the sky, but once the storm is over, you will get the exact same message that God revealed to Noah in that rainbow. You will know that he's been faithful to your life during that storm. That's what the rainbow was for. When you, when you look for the sign of God's faithfulness, what the rainbow promised in our storm, you will see God has been faithful in your life. You will see God has been working in you, keeping you safe, protecting you during that storm. This will help you see the work and purpose that he has done in your life through that storm. He is a good God. He is a faithful God. And that is what our rainbow represents. We sung about this guy earlier. Now for our next example, Ezekiel. Ezekiel means God strengthens. At 30-year-old, 30 years of age, God, Ezekiel was serving God 
as a priest. Do you know what? When you were a priest in these days, this meant life was good. A priest could read the law and learn everything that needed to know to do his work. And more importantly, priests were highly esteemed by the Jews. They were seen as God's anointed. So there he was, sitting there, enjoying life and favour of the people, but then God put another calling on his life. God changed his calling from being serving as a priest to become a prophet, to serve as a prophet. This was when he faced storms in his life. I mean, it would have been much easier for Ezekiel to remain a priest. I remember when studying the prophets in college, one comment our lecturer made, he said, one thing you won't hear me say during these lectures is how popular or like prophets were. He said, the reason I won't say that is because it's not true. Prophets were usually despised and persecuted. That's what a prophet was. Unlike the priests, they didn't receive their message from the law. They received their message and orders from the Lord. And on occasion, it demanded certain things that the people didn't want to do. So they could never be sure of what would happen next. The most difficult task of a prophet is to change people's minds. It was the job of the prophet Ezekiel to pull out the weeds of false theology and plant the good seed of the word of God. A true prophet was one who spoke God's judgment because of the sins of the people in that nation. No wonder they weren't liked. Well, people of the Old Testament are no different than people in our world today. They resented being told about their sin. Most of them would be just like us. Most of them would prefer hear messages of cheer that the priest brought. Teach us about the law. Don't give us declarations of judgment. It was very dangerous to be a prophet. Not only this, but the time God called Ezekiel to be a prophet was one of the worst times in Jewish history. He was chosen when the people were in exile in pagan lands. Their promised land was devastated, Jerusalem was in enemy hands, and the temple had been robbed of all its precious treasures. That's the time when God called him to be a prophet. No doubt to be called to be a prophet would be a good call for any person to have on their lives, but at this point of the Jewish history, it would have been even worse. Ezekiel was about to walk into a storm. He was about to go into a place that none of us would really sign on the dotted line for. Thankfully, God understood this. To help prepare Ezekiel for this ministry, the Lord gave him a vision. You guessed it. The vision had a quite few things in it. Cherubins, faces, wings, chariots, clouds and storms. But the passage that stood out for me was this. We find it in Ezekiel 1.26. Above the expanse over their heads, what looked like a throne of sapphire, and high above the throne was like that of a man. And I saw from what appeared by his waist, and he looked up a glowing metal and a full of fire. And from there down he looked, a brilliant light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. When I saw it, I fell face down. I heard the one speaking. Ezekiel saw a man on a blue flone with flashes of fire around him and a rainbow around him. There are many unexplained mysteries in this vision, but one message comes through with clarity and power. Through his, through his people, 
Though his people were in exile and their nation was about to be destroyed, God showed him a vision. God showed him a sign, and that sign was a rainbow. What was the meaning of his rainbow? God was still on the throne and able to handle any situation. So once again, the rainbow was a sign of God's faithfulness. From this we can begin to grasp the message that God was given to his prophet. Jehovah is the sovereign Lord of Israel and all the nations on the earth. God gave Ezekiel hope in the vision of a rainbow. Yes, it was a dark day for Israel. Yes, the land had been exiled to Babylon. Yes, the city of Jerusalem and the temple were about to be destroyed. But God gave Ezekiel the rainbow. It's okay. I'm still in control. Noah saw the rainbow after the storm. Ezekiel saw it over the storm. When Ezekiel looked and saw the rainbow, he understood no matter how discouraging his circumstances may be, God was still on his throne accompanying his divine purpose in the world. And now for the last one. John. We find this in Revelation chapter 4. After this, I looked up and there before me was a door standing open in heaven and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carillion. A rainbow resembled an emerald circle around the throne. John was like Ezekiel. He saw his rainbow in a vision. But again, it's at a different time. Noah saw the rainbow before the storm, after the storm, sorry. Ezekiel saw it during the storm, but God blessed John by seeing it before his storm. And John saw a complete rainbow. Why do I say it's important to look for the rainbow in a storm? Because even though all these rainbows happened at different times, they all had the same message to the people. What was the message? The rainbow promised God was on his throne. That was the promise. I am sovereign. I am sitting here. I am in control. This would have been a great encouragement to Noah, Ezekiel and John. I think it would have meant everything to them to know that God was on his throne and had everything under his control. Well, the fact is this. When it comes to rainbows, we still have the same promise today as his children. As his children, we have that exact same promise. That exact same rainbow tells us the same thing. We can know God is on his throne and in control. Let me tell you, COVID is not ruling our world. God is. God is in control. He is still 100% in control of our, of our life and of our world. You and I will experience storms in our lives till we're called home to be in heaven. We can't just close our eyes to storms that we face and pretend that when they're not there. We can look for the rainbow in the storm and, yes, it's there. What do you look for? God, where are you in this? What are you trying to teach me in this? Help me to see your faithfulness in this. Help me to know that you're in control. Expect the storms and don't be afraid of them because God is always faithful. Just because God's message to us today is in when you're facing crisis in your life, always look for the rainbow. Always remember, God is in control. God is sovereign. 
If I take you back to the start of my sermon, I said when facing crisis or storms in our lives, can we feed or fill ourselves on the wrong food? Can this saying, you are what you eat, apply to us spiritually? When we face crisis or storms in our lives, can we feed or fill ourselves with the wrong food? Can we damage ourselves spiritually by eating the wrong things? Yes, we can. Why? Because you can listen to the words of God or you can listen to the words of the devil. Now, you will understand as Christians, depending on which one of these you feed on, will determine whether or not you can see the promise of a rainbow. Which one of these you listen to will highly depend on whether you can truly see God's faithfulness and his sovereignty in our lives. One will want you to see the promise of the rainbow, while the other will do everything possible to blind you from the rainbow. As I said, the rainbow promised God was on his throne and able to handle every situation. That's what God wants to tell us in our ear. But we have a verse in the Bible that nearly every Christian knows off by heart, and that verse is John 10.10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that you may have life and have it to the full. As I said, we know this verse, but in times of our storms, do we live it? Are we really stopping and thinking about God has come to give us a full life? A big trap for us as Christians in storm is we can spend more time feeding or listening to the words of the thief rather than the words of the son. And when we do that, spiritually become, spiritually we become what we eat. I, I, I remember I had a friend in, uh, in Queensland a couple of years ago. She was, um, she was a girl in her 20s. And uh, she had a boyfriend, really nice guy. She had her dream job. She, uh, she was heavily involved in a church and she was living with a family, a Christian family, and uh, things were going really well for this girl. But the day came and for some unknown reason, her boyfriend broke up with her. She didn't like that much and she didn't cope much. And the first thing she did was she started to pull away from her family and she pulled away from her friends after a period of about six months, she quit her job and then she quit and left church. While her pastor and her friends did try to encourage her, her pastor was talking to me about the situation because I, I knew of it and I knew him and her. And he said, Garth, what saddens me, he says, whatever I tell her, she just turns into a negative. And I said to him, sadly, if she won't listen to you or her friends, if you guys can't get through then chances are she won't be listening to God either. And even he may have a hard time getting through. Does this girl sound like someone who is seeing the rainbow of God's faithfulness in her life? Or does this sound like a girl who's being killed and destroyed? She's becoming what she's eating. She's listening to the words of the faith rather than the words of the son. Let me tell you, Listening and feeding on the words of the thief makes you believe that everything in your life is falling apart. Remember, he wants to kill and destroy. However, listening and feeding on the words of God reassures you that everything is under control. When you are facing storms in your life, always remember, you can be your best friend or you can be your worst enemy. If you choose to be your worst enemy and listen and feed on, on what the thief tells you, then it's so hard for God's words to get through. 
if you choose to be your worst enemy and listen to the thief, then you're putting yourself in prison. You're putting yourself back in the chains that God once broken set you free from. When you face storms and listen and feed on the thief, what the thief tells you, you will value things like comfort more than character and then the storms will upset you. You will value the material and the physical more than the spiritual and then the storms will frustrate you. You will value the present and forget about the future and then the storms will make you bitter and not better. But compare that to listening to the Father. I always remember when Michelle and I first went into ministry, my mentor said to me, write out some verses or words um, that why God's called you into ministry. Write them out. And I asked him why. Why? What's the point of that? And he said, because when tough times come, the times you want to walk away, the times you want to give up and leave the ministry, pull them out and read them aloud. Look for the rainbow. Look for God's faithfulness. Let me tell you, over the years, Michelle and I in ministry have pulled those verses out, and yes, they have helped. When you are going through a storm, don't listen and feed on the words of the thief. Listen to words like these. Cast all your anxieties to him because he cares for you. Come to me, or you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and 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 he will establish your plans. Do not fear, for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. You will pass through the waters. I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I'm the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, in all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Rejoice in the Lord. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances because this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trials, having stood the test. That person will receive the crown of life the Lord had promised to those who loved him. In all, in all of this, you greatly rejoice, though for a little time now you may have to go through suffering, grief and kinds of trials. They have come that you have proven genuous of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even by refined fire may result be in praise, glory, honour with Jesus Christ. You know, chances are we know all these verses. We know things like this. But do not saddens me. For some people, these words are nothing more than good psychological help tools. I've seen words like this on Facebook. I've seen people write stuff from some of these verses and they say, hey, listen to this. I, I read this and I don't know where it comes from, but it sounds good. They see it as good psychological tools to get you through the day. Or maybe they're that good that they're just complete rubbish. Maybe these verses that we all know and we all read out, maybe they're just complete rubbish. Or maybe they're the greatest truth that you need in your life. Do these verses still stir your soul? Have we lost the excitement of knowing how blessed we are? of how much God is sovereign in our lives. When you are facing storms, it is words like these that make us whole. We know these verses off by heart, but do we live by them? 
I've had people tell me that they can't go to God and cast all their anxieties on him because they're too bad. They can't rejoice and give thanks because their life's too broken. They can't be strong and courageous. I've had people tell me that. Probably quite rudely, you know what I say to them? Then what you're saying is God is a liar. Why? He would never ask us to do anything that he doesn't believe we can do. If he asks us to give thanks in all circumstances, he believes we can do it. These are the words of God we need to be listening to when feeding and facing our storms. More than that, these are the words of God we need to when we're living in it. These are the promises given to us with the same message that God gave Noah, Ezekiel and John. Those verses tell us, guys, I'm on my throne. I'm in control. No wonder we're told, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil and he'll free from you. These verses also give us this great truth. As children of God, we don't fight for victory. It's not your job to fight for victory. Always remember this. As children of God, we fight from victory. We are already victorious. Feeding and filling our lives with the promises of these verses that we just read out will get us out of bondage and allow us to see rainbows. When trials come, don't feed on or listen to the thief. They will destroy and rob you of all God wants to give you. Don't pretend or don't try some self-help program. Simply look at the trials through the eyes of faith. Don't have a pity party. Just know God cares for you. Always look for the rainbow. Realise the rainbow promises God is on his throne and able to handle every situation. And yes, that includes yours. Allow these words or whatever words you need in your life. Pour them in. So when the storm comes, you're feeding and filling yourselves with the right food and then you'll grow spiritually. Then when the storms come, you don't have to be afraid of them because you will see the rainbow reveals God is on his throne and is always faithful and he is able to handle every situation. Let me finish with this. What about for us? What about for Pakenham Baptist Church? I've really only focused on us as individuals this morning, but what about a church? What encouragement or challenge can we as a church take away from this? Well, I believe it's this. Be the rainbow in our community. I can't help but think living in these times where Christians need to show a greater example than ever before of knowing God is on this throne. God is in control. It upsets me when I hear Christians talk negatively about COVID, about the government, about life situation or anything like that, especially to people out in the world. And I say to them, we've got to be the ones to show them, hey, this world looks like it's stuffed, but guess what? It's not. God's in control here. We have people out there that want some peace and security in this ever-changing world. Well, we have that peace. We have the peace that we can go out there and live. We have it and we need, it. we need to live it in a way that reflects to everyone, guys, look for rainbows because God's still in control here. I don't know what this week holds. 
I'm just a country bumpkin from Queensland that's come over here and I believe God's in this. I don't know what this week holds for me and I don't know what it holds for you. But I want to tell you this. I know who holds the week. I know that there are going to be rainbows. That regardless of what happens, regardless of the outcome of all of this, God is still in control, Garth, and God is still sovereign. No storm you face are facing is a surprise to God. Because of that, we can know. When you do it, immediately give thanks to the Lord and adopt a joyful attitude. And just remember, don't listen to the thief. Always look for the rainbow and always be the rainbow to others who don't know God. I pray and trust that you are encouraged today because you, you, we don't have a great God. We have an awesome God. We have a God that is in control. I'd like to pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you that as you sit in heaven, that you are in control. I thank you for the people that you have blessed mightily in our scriptures, the ones that have gone through trials and have turned them into victories. Lord, you know what all of us, you know the trials and the storms in our lives, but I thank you that they produce perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. Our hope is in you. Lord, I praise and thank you that COVID is not ruling this world. I thank you that you are. And, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here or out there that, um, Lord, that our job is just to point them to you and get out the way. And, Father, I really pray that we will all know your goodness and your greatness in our lives, especially in the times of storms. And it's only in Jesus' mighty name that we can ask this.